It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports commerce and editor with Rick Roaring. It's presented, as always, by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage. After the Bengals beat the Steelers 37-30, Rick, it wasn't pretty at times. It was kind of ugly at times. And if I had told you that the Bengals and Joe Burrow would throw four touchdown passes and none would be to T. Higgins and none would be to Tyler Boyd and none would be to Joe Mixon and none would be to Hayden Hurst, how much would you have laughed me out of the building? Uh, a lot. I, I I would like to know who had the Samaj P. Ryan over two touchdowns. <laughs> oh, no, there's no way it was over two touchdowns. It had to be over half a touchdown. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming someone took the alternate line. They were froggy and felt confident in Samaj. Uh, they knew it was going to be his day. Someone's got to have that ticket yeah, somewhere. It, it, yeah, it's it's called uh, Mrs. P. Ryan or uh, whatever his brother's name is. His yeah. sister's name is, yes. That's right. Well, Skinny, I thought there were a couple big things to talk about in terms of the Bengals' performance. But first, I wanted to start with the playoff hunt. To me, that's the, the big story right sure. now. This game, although they wouldn't have been mathematically eliminated had they lost it it felt like it was a huge game that they had to have. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at it mathematically, as we sit here as we're doing this podcast while the Chargers and Chiefs still play tonight, and even that game, the Bengals are in the playoffs right now. I mean, they are literally the, the, the last wildcard team, thanks in part to that win over the Jets, which are now 6-4. and four. Bengals are 6-4. and four. And at 5-5, five and five, then you've got to start climbing ladders. It's not even a matter of mathematics at some points. At some points of the game, it's like, all right, but you got to jump them, and you got to jump them, and you got to jump them. They're going to jump anybody right now. They just got to finish this. And yeah, I, I think it was huge, Rick. We talked about getting to ten wins, and I still think ten wins is the magic number. Today would have put you on pace to have to go five and two in the last seven. Was this really? No way. There's no way this team goes five and two in the last seven. As much as I like this team, no way. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think. In the NFL, anyone can beat anyone on any given day. So you wouldn't say it's over at that point. Right. But man, the wiggle room is completely gone. I mean, you just basically have to be perfect the rest of the way. And then, I mean, there's still so many things that can go wrong just with bad calls injuries. or, you know, injuries. fluky things, right. injuries. Yeah. So um, it, it really felt like this was a, a huge win in terms of trying to make the playoffs. And Skinny, I'll be honest, I don't know if. Joe Burrow's ever been much better than he was today. It was a little bit different performance than we've seen at times from him, but to do what he did, spread the ball around to the amount of guys he did, keep the offense going so consistently for both halves, and yet not had Jamar Chase out there, lose Joe Mixon in the second half. I thought it was a really impressive performance by Joe Burrow. Yeah, and it's so funny because you look up right and those two more picks, and you're like, wait, I thought Joe was not the pick throwing guy anymore, and he's not. I mean, the J or the, the TJ Watt interception was ridiculous. That's absurd. I, I, I don't know how. I don't ha either. <laughs> have you ever seen guys get up close to like a jugs gun and try oh, to catch my like Lord. a. Yeah, I don't know how he did that. He was closer than I've ever seen. Yes. You no, know, and, and, and honestly, if you go back and look at the first interception, the very first game that he had against this team, it was ridiculous. Not quite like today's. Today was almost like. How did you even catch that? You just trapped that dude, but he still caught it. Um, so, yeah, so it's funny. So you look and you're like, oh, well, Burrow still threw two picks. Nah, he really didn't. He threw one that was ridiculously played. And I've gotten a bunch of things on Twitter of, oh, how many more passes can he get batted down? It's what they do. He's still going to do what he does. And what he does is still throws four touchdowns. Um, makes a uh, Rick, I thought the biggest throw of the game, they're up 27-23. They're backed up to their own seven or eight. 
Defense is playing great. It's just a matter of just get the damn thing out of there. Flip field position at worst comes to worst. He throws a dime on a back shoulder throw to Tyler Boyd. They all of a sudden then finish that drive off. That became part of the 92-yard drive that basically clinched it, the swing pass to Pirine. And it was it was such a good throw because he'd been getting battered in the second half. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, you know, I, I don't think he's ever been better than the Atlanta game or the, or the Baltimore game, but those also came against crap defenses. This came against a pretty good defense that was desperate to win a game, and he made play after play after play. Yeah, there were two things that I really liked. I mean, the accuracy speaks for itself, obviously. And at some point, you just get tired of saying the same superlatives over and over with Joe Burrow. But in addition to him spreading the ball around, you know, we saw Irwin make catches for him. We saw Trent Taylor make catches. He, he got it to everyone. But at the same time, Skinny, when it came down to it, when there was a big play that needed to happen, he went ahead and force fed his guys. Yeah, his dudes. He Higgins, threw it to Higgins and he threw it to yep, Boyd and sure. they made plays for him. And to me, that's what this offense is about. You can share the ball around, do all the other stuff. And you have to. You want, but when the game's on the line, use your best players exactly yep. like you did today. Joe was excellent. No, no and, that, and that's the smart part about him is, listen, you do have to spread it around. You have to do go where the coverage is. But when a when push comes to shove and you have to make a big play and you you hear it all the time and it's not a joke, it's not a saying, it's not cliche, you – players make plays and you have to let them make plays and Joe Burrow did that I mean that throw to Tyler Boyd it was not a great throw well it was a great throw because it was a back shoulder but Tyler Boyd went up and just he made sure he put two hands on that on a high point like if you hit me you're not taking it away from me and it was almost like that play there went it got him out of the shadow of the goalpost that got him out to the 33 or 34 it was almost like at that point the offense went we're good we're, we're not going to worry about a safety. We're not going to worry about a sack fumble. We're in a spot where we're good. Our defense is playing great. Let's go. And that's where they went. And um, I, I think you're right. I think at, at, at the point of that is, yeah, it's fun. Trent Irwin's in the game. Trent Irwin's in the game. He's open. I got to throw it to him. Samaj P. Ryan's on a swing pass. I got to throw it to him. Screen pass, got to throw it to him. But when push came to shove and he had to make a couple of big throws in this game, it went to 85 and 83. And so when you look at it, and I don't want to just surmise this down the road because it was still a kind of a grinded out win today, despite it being 37-30. Can you imagine then if they start doing these things and Jamar Chase comes back healthy, right? Right. I mean, Zach Taylor deserves a ton of credit for, I mean, it's only been, I guess, a few games at this point, but he, he has seemingly found consistency with this offense after Jamar went out and not just balance in the sense of they're spreading the ball around and stuff. But I mean, you saw what they did in the run game against Carolina. And actually that was something that I wanted to bring up about this game. They didn't run the ball effectively. They only averaged 2.6 per carry, but I was pretty interested in how they used the running backs in the passing game. We talked about Samaj P Ryan getting four catches, 52 yards and three scores. Uh, but if you look at Joe Mixon, he also had three catches for 42 yards early in that game. So, um, and, and Travion Williams was in there running routes, sometimes lined up in the slot. They never actually, got him the ball, but I'm kind of interested in how they approached the Steelers matchup in terms of using the running backs. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, one of the catches for Joe Mixon was a deep dig. I mean, he ran a dig where Burrow scanned the field. They ran, I believe it was Tyler Boyd behind him on a deeper dig, and it kind of cleared out the space, and Joe scanned here, scanned there, and then came back. It wasn't a check down. It was a deep dig to a running back, Joe Mixon, and then P. Ryan on the screens and the swings. You know, breaking tackles, making plays. 
I, you know, I hate to do this, Rick, because you're you're as guilty as anybody else, but not in a bad way. The whole Chris Evans mantra of, oh, he should be playing more than Samaj P. Ryan. Should he? Well, I, I don't I'm, think... I'm not blaming you. Don't get me wrong. I'm just no, saying, should no, he? No, I get it. I get your point, but I don't think that changes the Chris Evans thing any. It's fine. I mean, go ahead and use Samaj P. Ryan. They're to- two totally different players. I've never no. said that one should be used over the other. The only thing I don't understand, and again, I'm sure it's just something that I don't get about football. Um, Chris Evans makes a play seemingly every time he's on the field and you give him the chance to do so. I could be totally wrong, but I'm just, I would like a little bit better explanation on Chris Evans well, is all of why seemingly it's obvious to everyone that this dude keeps making plays and yet they don't seem to have any use for him. I will say this. I mean, Samaj P. Ryan, we talked about this when the whole Joe Mixon thing was going down, right? Of, you know, Joe can't pass block and Joe's not running it well and you don't get him touches in the pass game. And who's your most complete back? It still might be Samaj P. Ryan, despite the Joe Mixon great game two weeks ago or whatever it was against Carolina. Yeah, Samaj P. Ryan's been great. I've never had an issue with him other than, you know, last year in the Super Bowl when. But that's not. On him, I mean that, that that shouldn't have been him. But sure. but honestly, Rick, I mean if you remember the first couple runs of the second half of this game, and they weren't running it great. They didn't run it great in the first half. He runs for like six and five. It was two really good, solid runs to get them in good down and distances. Um, you know, good for him. And I, I I thought Joe Burrow was completely accurate. I'm not breaking news here with this, and neither was Joe Burrow. Of you know him and Trent Irwin, two guys that work their ass off, get opportunities and then go make a play. That speaks to your roster depth. It really does. You know Joe Mixon's a Pro Bowl running back. That's not hyperbole. He's been a Pro Bowl running back, and yet his backup, who's been a little maligned, who people want Chris Evans, went out today and bowled out with some really big runs when they needed runs and three touchdown receptions, and they weren't easy. The screen was maybe easy because they blocked the crap out of it. That last touchdown run, he broke a tackle and then got inside of another guy making a tackle to get inside the pylon. It was spectacular. Yeah, I mean, he's been really good this year. I have nothing against Samaj P. Ryan. I'm excited about the way he's playing. And uh, if Joe Mixon's concussion holds him out another week or so, then I'll be thrilled to have Samaj P. Ryan starting there. I just, I, I don't think that negates the idea that no. you can line Chris Evans up occasionally as a weapon in a slot or something and, and see if he's, See if he's able to break one. That's all that's ever been with Chris Evans. Like no, it, I'm not calling for him to get 30 carries a game or be a featured back. I never have. No, but but I think a lot of people have. I, I do. I think a lot of people are like, oh, let's give him a shot. That's fine. Um, but I will say this. If Joe does not play the Tennessee game, I think Chris was probably close to playing today. He was questionable. Usually questionable guys on the injury report play. I was a little stunned. He was questionable. With the knee. I thought I was more doubtful. Um but if he was questionable this week, I think that's almost like, all right, we could have played him. Let's give him another week. And I'll be honest, Travion Williams on kickoff returns was really good. And he actually had a really good run. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not sure that they'll play I mean, Chris that, Evans. How about the roster depth? I mean, that tells you about roster return. depth. Yeah, I mean, but that tells you about pretty good roster depth. When you're down to technically your fourth running back and he's returning kickoffs and making a couple of good runs when you need him, that's pretty damn good. It is. I mean, this, we, look, this is why it was so frustrating sure. early in the year when this offense couldn't find any traction because we know they have talent. We know they have depth. Okay. Yeah. Guys nicked up. What have you? Someone's not playing well. We still want to see points. You have Joe Burrow back there. You have a lot of depth in terms of your offensive skill pieces. I think they've started to figure that out. I mean, 37 points again today and the way they scored consistently throughout the game right. was 
great to see. And then skinny on the other side of the football. I mean, you give up 30 points. It was a terrible first half, but I'll be damned if Lou Anarumo didn't do it again in the second half. Yes. And, and to me, and I can't wait to talk to him. We usually, we talk to both coordinators every week. We talk to usually one on a normal week. We'll talk to one after the game on a Monday and we all kind of request it. I'm kind of the ringleader. I want to talk to Lou tomorrow more than I want to talk to Brian Callahan. And then we'll talk to the other coordinator on Wednesday, kind of looking ahead. So I kind of want to talk to Brian more on Wednesday, but we'll see where it goes. I thought Lou made a great adjustment. It's just my own eyeballs. I don't know this for a fact, but pick it in the first half. And I get it. You're trying to, you know, your secondary is a little depleted. I got a rookie quarterback. Let's make him make quick, hot reads. Let's make him get out of his hand fast. And to his credit, he bought some time, got away from the blitz and made a couple of really good plays. In the second half, he showed some blitz packages and then said, I'm just rushing four. And to me, the, the really the biggest play of the game, honestly, was when Pittsburgh, I think it was 27-23. Jermaine Pratt made a great play on second down to make it third and 12. And Lou shows blitz. And he's got seven guys at the line of scrimmage. And in my mind, I'm like, you're backing out of this. I just want to see what you're doing. So he ends up dropping DJ Reader into middle linebacker coverage. Blitzes Logan Wilson only rushes four, and Sam Hubbard comes unblocked and drops Kenny Pickett to force a punt. And I thought, man, that is just genius. And to me, Lou, I get what he was thinking in the first half. And Rick, you've coached. You've coached basketball. I coach basketball. You go in with a plan, right? And you're like, okay, well, I got to scrap this because what I thought was going to work isn't going to work. I can't be stubborn. I want to do what I want to do, but let's do something different. I thought in the second half, Lou Anarumo was brilliant of showing blitz packages and then occasionally, and when I say four-man pressure, right, it's a blitz because DJ Reader drops out, um, Logan Wilson blitzes, but it's still only a four-man pressure. He showed a lot of that stuff and then backed out of it and forced Kenny Pickett to go, oh, crap, now there's seven guys dropping in coverage. Where am I going with this football? I thought it was genius. And the last, it's funny. I mean, Rick, they only gave up 62 yards on the first seven drives of the second half. And that's amazing, the fact that they had, Pittsburgh had seven drives. Actually, they had eight total because the last drive was that garbage dink and dunk drive, and that's fine. Garbage dink and drunk, drunk go, go do what you do. But the first seven drives of the second half, they get 62 yards. That is stunning to me, and I think all kudos to him and that defensive group. Well, it's just become such a – I mean, it almost feels like a, a joke at this point when you talk about the Bengals and their defense with Luana Rumo and the quote-unquote halftime adjustments. I know we've talked about it on here a bunch, and it's kind of a misnomer, but even still – they don't always struggle as much as they, as they did in the first half of this game, but they seem to always find some type of wrinkle for the second half that shuts the other team down. And this might've been one of the most impressive because now granted Pittsburgh's offense isn't the best, but they removed the ball so well. Part of that was the run game in the first half. And then in the second half, really until the, the Bengals went into a prevent type defense and was allowing them to right. dink it in front of and them, the, they gained no yards. Yeah, I'm fine with that. No, nothing. Right. 62 yards on seven drives. On seven drives, dude. And three points, and that came with good field position. An interception, yeah, off the off the, off the wide interception. Right. And it's just outstanding performance by the defense and Luana Rumo. Yeah, no, I I agree, and, and you're right. It's not halftime adjustment. They adjust constantly, but um, I tech, or somebody tweeted at me, and you know me on Twitter. Usually I take it a lot of it with a grain of salt, but – um, somebody tweeted me and says, Lou needs to stop blitzing. And I thought, you know what? You're right. I think you're, you're, I, I get why he did it. I fully understand why he did it. And that's sometimes, I wish people understood that, that listen, that was your plan and your plan was the right plan. Doesn't mean it always works. And the kid did a great job and you're right. And Najee Harris ran the ball fine. And so 
it made Lou go, all right, let's just sit back and I'll show you Blitz. I'm going to back out of this a bunch of times. And they did it, and they did a really good job of it. You're right. I mean, if, it sucks that the Steelers scored, honestly, a garbage touchdown against that because literally the defense dominated the second half. I mean, dominated. To me, that's the mark of a good coach. A coach who certainly yep. has a plan, wants to be aggressive, wants to do different things with his team, but then is always willing to change his mind or recognize when something's not working and not be too stubborn. And look, there's part of that is you've got to stay with the stuff you do to some extent. You can't just constantly be changing sure. your system right. or you'll never gain any type of cohesion and chemistry. But I think he's really mastered that part of getting his guys together in terms of the chemistry and the communication. And that allows them to change it up on the fly. And he's just so good at that. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, it's exactly well said. What else you got, Skinny, from this one? I'll give you one more. I thought the Evan McPherson 54-yard field goal in those conditions was ridiculous. I couldn't believe it got I mean, through. I couldn't either because when he hit it, I'm like, oh, that's, that's good. It's, yeah. it's clearly good. And then you could tell the fans couldn't tell. Usually you can tell from the fan reaction, right, of – you knew it was, you know, it was right down the middle. It wasn't a matter of was it be, be between the goalposts. But you could tell the fan reaction was very subdued. They weren't cheering, nor were they like, oh, it was a weird reaction to the point of, did he get enough of that? And then you're like, holy crap, he got enough of that. And I had somebody tweet back at me, of course, and said, well, wait till he does one into the wind. Well, I don't know if that was into the wind or not. It didn't feel like it was, but that's fine. And then he kicked one later into the wind and he drills it. You know, the the, the storyline, and we all did it. We all wrote a story about special teams of Drew Chrisman, which was great today. I want to get to him in a second. Of McPherson's slump. He had missed three of his seven last seven kicks before the bye. He had not made a field goal, Rick, until the first field goal he made today was the first one he made since he made a 52-yarder at New Orleans on October 16th. That's a month ago, bro. That's a long time ago for a guy to make a field goal. And he goes out today, and on that field, in those conditions, he does that. That's why he's so great. He talked about being able to slough it off. Zach Taylor talked about him being able to slough it off. Darren Simmons talked about feeling confident he would slough it off. And guess what he did? He did. He went out there and nailed all those kicks. And then to Drew Christman. I mean, the first two punts were bombs. And they pinned him deep. And then the funny part was the last one that he kicked out of the end zone, it wasn't a great punt. But you know what I was afraid of? It's like, oh, God, he's going to take too long. Because he... He's a lot longer strider, in my opinion, than Kevin Huber. And he's probably going to get one block where we're all going to go, uh, what are you doing? But he's got such a big leg, I can live with it for the most part. But that was one where I thought, oh, God, dude, you got to get this out of the end zone and you can't dilly-dally. And it wasn't a great punt. And they got it on the Bengals' side of the 50, but they fair caught it. There was no return because it was high enough. And so to the credit of both of those guys, when you talk about special teams, they gave up a couple of big returns in the kickoff return game, but Travion Williams was big on a, on a kickoff return. Chris was big on some punts, and McPherson was ridiculous. So all that whole talk about a slump, that's what it was. It was a slump. He was one for 20, and he just got three base hits and a double. I just don't worry about that guy because I think he's you. so different in terms of his confidence and his Agreed. talent level. Yeah, I there, agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. There have been plenty of kickers that just lose it. You know, Neil Rackers had that moment, and then he found it again and became one of the best kickers, and then he lost it again. I mean, Blair Walsh. It happens. Yeah. But with that guy, he just has such a big leg. He's so accurate from so far out, and I don't think he ever even notices these misses. Like, I'm sure he's pissed, but he thinks he's going to kick a 60-yarder every no, time about the that. opportunity he, comes up. 
yeah, he's talked about that. Of, of listen, I think I'm in a slump, but I think I'm fine. I think I've hit a couple of balls well. He, he talked about he, he 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 thought he hit the one in Cleveland good that went wide right. He knew he pulled the one um, in the game before the bye wide left, and he said, I just hit a bad ball. That's on me, but I'm fine. And, you know, you can hear that, and it's great because everybody wants to say they're fine. But you know what? He was fine. What else you got on this one, Skinny? It's all I got. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I, I'm glad for Drew Chrisman. I'm sad for Kevin Huber. I get the change. I Do you think they regret it. that? Do you think they regret sticking with Huber as long as they did? No, no, because I think there was a, there was a, there's a trust factor. Um, you know, you build up 13 or 14 years of trust in a guy, and the thing, and I talked, we, we all talked to Kevin this week. We talked to him on Monday, and we talked to Darren last week. And Darren talked about, and he made a really good analogy of he's hitting it good on, on the practice range. He's not taking it to the first tee. And he goes, it's like the Masters. You hit it great on the practice range. You got to take it to the first tee. And he's not doing that. And I asked Kevin on Monday, I said, is there a positive the fact that you're hitting it good in practice? He goes, yes. He goes, absolutely. I feel like I'm hitting it great. He goes, I just haven't carried it over to the game. And he hadn't. And so I think they swallowed hard, thought every option possible and said, you know what? Let's do this standard elevation, which they did. They didn't cut Kevin, as people may not know, but most hopefully do. They they deactivated Kevin today. They brought Drew up as a standard elevation, which means tomorrow, technically, Drew reverts to the practice squad. That could change tomorrow. You may see Kevin's cut and Drew is up, and that's that. But I get the fact of why they – I thought they – I think we talked about this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I thought they were going to do that before the Carolina game. Right. Of bring him up. Let him punt at home. They've been doing this whole practice routine of him in full uniform, all those things. I thought, let him punt at home and get get a feel for it in a comfortable environment. They didn't. So they did it today. Maybe it was today of throw you in, kid. If you can do it, great. If not, we'll have to go back to the old guy. So I, I, I'm interested to see. My guess is, Rick, I'm going to say this terribly. Ah, they're going to cut Kevin tomorrow. Andrew would be the punter the rest of the year. But Kevin still lives in Cincinnati. He's a McNicholas grad. He's a UC grad. He's still around if things go awry. I think today was more of, let's see what you do. We got our guy still on the roster. If you shank three balls, we got a guy. And we're comfortable with the guy kicking it 40 yards because we believe in him. We believe in him as a holder. And we're going to go back to him. And I think Drew today showed I'm the guy. Yeah, it's hard to imagine it not being him going forward. Agreed. All right, that's all I got, Skinny. All right, bro. Be good. We will be back. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna try to come back on Wednesday. We'll see where it goes. Rick's at a basketball tournament in Florida with NKU. Uh, hopefully, we'll do something on Wednesday of this week because, of course, Thanksgiving is Thursday. If not, Rick and I love doing this so much. We may do it on Turkey Day. We may. We'll see. You never know. You never know. All right, for Rick Boring. I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Post Game Edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community. Media.